ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Top 8 Magic. I'm Brian David Marshall, joined by Magic the Gathering Hall of Famer, Zvi Moshowitz. Hey Zvi, how's it going? Uh, things in general, they're looking up. Um, you know, hopefully we're on the road to recovery and Magic gets a new set. And even when I am skeptical of the new set, it's a good time to play Magic. Right. Because yeah. you may you may have some objections to what's handed to you, but you're still going to try to break it and do stuff with it, right? Well, at the very least, I'm going to build decks and I'm going to draft. These two things <laughs> are guaranteed to be amusing and, and, and worth, worth doing. Um, I am... Deeply, deeply skeptical of this set on basically all fronts and furious about the companions. Okay, so let's let's talk about that for a second. Uh, I, I know you and I have talked off podcast about this. Is you know, there there seems like there's some disregard towards paper magic with some of the complexity in this set, which is certainly well, something I'm alarmed about. There are so many words. I have had to click on a significant number of cards on my 30-inch monitor in order to read them. <laughs> but because they just the text was too small. Compare that to we're making a game together and we're trying to make our cards readable on a phone. Sure. Right? Let alone, and then like regular people are just trying to play magic in a normal way. I don't know how they do it, because these cards are not just superficially having lots of words. These cards are genuinely doing lots of things. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a bunch of things going on. Um, you know, mutate is going to be pretty interesting. There are a lot of, you know, new counters. Like normally you could get by with a couple of dice in your bag to sort of go, okay, you know, this, this has a plus one, plus one counter. This will represent a soldier token. But now you have, soldier tokens that may have something mutated on top of them that might also have a trample counter that and it it, it feels nobody like, knows how mutate works wizard <laughs> well, Cameron this, barely knows how mutate works this, this is bad news v because i was really counting on you to clarify it for me no, so i was watching the, the channel fireball stream because you were on it yeah and it was doing an explainer on mutate using the boringest cards possible. And then they said, and if the creature isn't there, when the mutate resolves, it just is a normal creature. And I want you to throw something at my television and break it. <laughs> because that is not how magic works. If you cast a spell of a target and the target is gone, the spell fizzles. Right. So this works similar to how bestow worked. And to be clear, I'm not worried about power level at all when I say that. Right? right, like I know they balance with it. It's not particularly what I'm worried about. Whatever, be fine. But like this idea that like no, I have to wait for you to finish doing this first. It's just uh, I just I, I I understand that bestowed worked the same way. Now that you pointed out, because it's been so long, I'd forgotten. But <laughs> that shouldn't have worked that way either. Well, it, it it did it did feel weird at the time that uh, it happened. Yes, right. you and, know, and it's, it's been long enough that it still feels weird because we just went through Theros and didn't use it again, so we've all forgotten. Right. <laughs> uh, Although if we could I mean, have minded, I would have shrugged. But, you know, it just, 
it's just mutate. Like I, I remember the Ben Blyweiss uh, asking for clarification because two official sources gave different rules about what happened if the creature started dying. <laughs> and like, I don't even know which one is real. I am assuming the creature just dies. Otherwise it's kind of ridiculous. But <laughs> like, maybe? Like, I wrote my review as if the creature dies, but I'm not that confident. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't hate it that much. I, I did end up really like, I had the same concerns about Bestow that you had. You know, I had the same concerns about Bestow that you have about the, the sort of like, if I play something that has a target, but I did like the way it played. I did like the sort of being able to just go, okay, I'm just going to do this. And well, if I end up with only this, creature then that's fine but um and, and and even even the wordiness is not that big an issue for me um i don't mind i don't but i i am i am worried about like operationally the physical amount what has to actually happen yeah in the world when you're physically playing with mutate is absurd like that's yeah. the actual problem the rest is just you're making my brain hurt and also like i want to throw things there are several points in which it's like I just wasted a week of deck building because like I'm completely wrong about how everything <laughs> Because I just assumed it would uh, I mean obviously like play seven games of play seven matches of limited and we'll know. But Right, right, right. You know, it's not again, like these are minor concerns compared to anything I have. And the the complexity numbers on this set are through the roof. Everybody acknowledges that. And I cannot figure out why. Right, like War of the Spark, I understood why we were increasing the number of words and the complexity. It's the Planeswalker set. Like Planeswalkers are your most complicated card type. They're also popular. You're highlighting them. You're printing a billion and a half of them. <laughs> okay, it's going to be a little complicated. Ikoria is about large monsters at its core, right? Or it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. You give me that two-word pitch, it's large monsters. And, you know, these... Why do these large monsters all have to have 17 lines of text? Right. And also right. not be behemoths. <laughs> right. Like, it's, there I, was keep a... the, I keep looking at the card the card line, it keeps saying beast, where I'm expecting to see behemoth, just like emotionally, because the card is called, they were behemoths. Right. Be beast feels like a 4-4, four, four. behemoth feels like... A six six or bigger. It's a great name for a set, Lair of Behemoths. But then I expect Behemoths. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? <laughs> it's funny. I uh, there was a thread on Twitter, Magic Twitter, yesterday about like what do you consider the golden age of Magic? And for me, the golden age of Magic is whatever time you were in when you first opened up a Shivan Dragon and got excited about it. And what was really sad to me was there were, and a lot of people were like, oh yeah, I remember. It was this summer of a year that starts with 1909, you know, and this happened and I tried to do this. And, right, and a, lot of, a lot of people excited, but there were also a lot of newer players who were like, yeah, when I opened a Shivan Dragon in my whatever starter set, it, it wasn't as good as this other dragon. So I was, I don't know, I've never been that impressed with that card. And that made me so sad. Not, not because, you know, I don't want there to be better cards than Shevin Dragon, but I do, I do feel like we've creeped out way, way past a perimeter 
in magic in terms so, of the, the golden age of magic started in 1993 <laughs> and it ended with pro tour hollywood <laughs> a lot of time people with a straight face were able to play shiv and dragon yeah well and that's and that's that's the you actually you and steve Saden and someone else all played uh a green red deck with shiv and dragon at home yeah we had shiv and dragon as the six drop so that if you played uh the green command primal command and you wanted just a creature to go kill them already you would go get shiv and dragon <laughs> and occasionally you just drew it and played it because it was fine and yeah, I will never forget just Chapin just running up to me, like in a rage, like really angry. <laughs> and just saying, the next time you are going to play in a pro tour with Shiv and Dragon, you tell me. Yeah. Steve, he was so mad he didn't get a chance to play with Shiv and Dragon at a pro tour. Like yeah. he didn't care if that was any good. He was just so mad he didn't get a chance to do it. Yeah, Steve, Steve had to start out playing a Japanese player and he beats him with Shiv and Dragon. And I don't remember who the player was, but the player was so excited and gleeful that he lost to Shiv and Dragon. Yeah. He was so, so, so happy that this happened, you know, that he was like, you know, grateful to Steve for giving him this experience of losing to such an iconic card. And, right. and, and, and to me, like, I, I feel like there's so much stuff going on with these big creatures that it, it I, I don't know, it, I feel like, we, we've we've pushed out past a, a point where we constantly have to uh, make things bigger, better, more complicated to keep having that sensation of opening a, a Shivan Dragon. And it's both. It's both more complicated and better deal, right? Like it's not. It would be one thing if you open Shivan, you open a new dragon today, and it was three RR five five flying firebreather. And you got excited. And you still get excited. Like, I can legitimately understand, okay, we realize that big creatures have to be better than this in order to balance small creatures and spells. And, and I, I kind of would get it, right, in some sense. But when it's actually you open a 3RR, 5-5, five, five, flying, fire-breathing, when this comes into play, do this little thing. Other dragons you control get, like, plus zero, plus two, and, like, protection from green. And, like, I don't even know why. It's just... It, it just drives me nuts because you don't, there's no reason for any of this, right? Like, why do these companions all have to have abilities and like do weird stuff, even if you're going to do this, right? Well, let's, let's, me, let's do this. Why don't we talk about companions today? We'll try yeah. to do another podcast later in the week, maybe a more traditional set review. But this is, this is like new territory for regular magic. This, this yeah. companion idea. So what, what is the basic concept of companion? It's fork you. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the real and, okay, the companion is, well, people like commander, right? So we give everybody their companion, you see. So oh. in the lore of Ikoria, as I understand it, uh, humans bond with monsters, like the human-non-human dynamic. So you, as a human, get to bond with a companion. And the rule is, if you fulfill the deck construction rule at the start of the game that the companion gives you, then you get to cast this companion, you get one companion, once from outside the game, meaning from your sideboard. Okay. So you have to give up something. You have to play a deck that obeys a rule of some kind that you may or may not have been anywhere near obeying otherwise. 
And in exchange, you just get to have this card in a protected space that's kind of in your hand for whenever you want it. And they're all creatures that cost like hybrid, hybrid, and then one to three mana. And they're all legends. And they're all like creatures of some ability. So uh, it was very interesting. So, so basically, and we've already had one of these cards banned in Commander, which is kind of interesting. Um, I think they're and, nine short. <laughs> and, the re- and the reason for that is it just felt like it was just going to become such an auto-include card that, you know, that everyone just got this. Everyone who played those colors had access to a free card forever and ever. And it, it was such gonna, to and it was going to be such a mandatory. But I assume, like, I mean, look, Luch, Luch the Spell Chaser tells you to play Commander. Sure. Oh, right? yeah. So, like, yeah. it's not a big surprise that the Commander players were like, oh. Right. You don't have to bend anything in your deck to meet this requirement in Commander, where you still will with some of the others. Now, one of the interesting things to me, I was talking to Reed, I just did a, a block of the Magic Fest online coverage with Reed Duke, and we were talking beforehand about it. And he was talking about, he's been, he's been thinking about companions. And for him, the big question is the impact they're going to have on older formats. And in particular, you know, if you look to Reed's style of play in Magic in general, he's a big you know, thought sees him, you, whatever, right? Like, you know, he he loves to attack someone's hand, right? Inquisition of Kozilek, thought sees, duress, whatever it is, take apart your hand, start to build a game plan. But he's like, well, it's going to be just so weird to me that I can, you know, dismantle someone's game plan and do this and have this play this way. And then they just have access to this free card that I'm never going to be able to touch. And he, he thinks it's going to be very disruptive well, on the to, side, to the play Umori, patterns of those formats. Umori plays really well with a bunch of discard spells, if you want yeah. the sorceries. No, um, <laughs> okay, I think that that is like, n- definitely not number one, probably not number two on my list of concerns with companions. I have many, many other concerns. But that's a real one, too. That, you know, everybody gets to do the same thing Every game, they can play the same thing every game on this spot in the curve, and there is nothing you can do about it. Although, I really want to see people start playing Meddling Mage Man deck. <laughs> what was that guy's name again? I know you have it. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about let's talk about the companions. Let's 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 make our way through them and, and see which ones we think are going to be have the biggest impact and and which ones, uh, you know, or maybe you know more a little more casual. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you can make a plausible case in standard for most of them. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, I don't think you can make a case in modern for most of them, but you can make a case in modern that several of them are broken. Okay. So, you know, and then, like, Legacy, the all bets are off, obviously. Or yeah. But, Sam, Sam has, uh, you won't believe which card Sam <laughs> has pegged as a problem in Modern. I think he's wrong. <laughs> I hope he's wrong. That's so weird. 
No, so, I hope he's right. <laughs> no, no, no. If, okay, so to be clear, if anyone doesn't know, Sam thinks Yori and Sky Nomad is the most dangerous companion in modern. So Yuri and Sky Nomad is three Azorius Azorius for a four or five companion that says your starting deck contains at least 20 cards more than the minimum deck size. So if you play yeah. this in limited, you need to start with 60. If you play this constructed, you need to start with 80. Right. Or even or in limited, you can shuffle it in if you don't want to do that. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's four or five flying legendary bird serpent. Uh, when it or enters the battlefield, you can exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control, because if you give them back, that feels wrong somehow, question mark. Return <laughs> those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of your next end step. That feels like a concession to digital. The whole, like, we don't want digital players to have to worry about clicking on cards they don't actually own and get mad. Sure. So we're going to put this weird extra text in a card, because extra text doesn't even matter anymore. I mean, come on, eat it at Arby's. Yeah, yeah. You'll get takeout from Arby's? Um, um, <laughs> yeah. So this card... Is very good. So, like, let's start here because this is the easiest companion to work with, I think, in terms of talking about it. Because everybody has to pay the tax, and everybody knows how big the tax is. If that makes sense, right? Sure. Like, your tax is twenty extra cards, please, thanks. And in exchange, you get a five drop. Uh, there are certainly decks where everybody has to come into play effect, and blinking your entire team is going to be pretty huge. Uh, but there's also decks where you just get a four or five flyer near the top of your curve in exchange for playing a bigger deck where it's not that you ever wanted to play a bigger deck. It's bad, but it's definitely not that bad. <laughs> there were plenty of lands you could play. Certainly in modern, there's more than enough lands to support 80 card decks everywhere you want to go. Um, and there were plenty of good spells. And having 80 cards has advantages, right? It means that you can play every land you might possibly want to fetch in your deck, including Trilands, for example. Right. It means you can have tutor targets for everything, all the silver bullets you could ever want. It means you can self-mill and not worry about decking yourself, if that's something that you were thinking about. Like Cavalier of Thorns, I've played some standard decks of Cavalier of Thorns that have serious decking themselves problems recently. Sure. If you're not careful. And this would prevent that. So there, there are things you can do that are kind of happy about it, but mostly you're just sort of paying the tax. And I don't, I don't really understand the argument that Sam is making that this is the scary card because it's a five mana creature that makes your deck worse. Right. And like, doesn't seem like a particularly good deal in modern, right? Like if you gave me this card in modern, I would laugh in your face, right? If it didn't have, it wasn't a companion, but just as a normal creature, because like, obviously you might have a deck full of things you want to blink, but you need this card to cost three or four. Right. Right. You can't have this card cost five. Whereas if we look at Lurus. Okay. Lurus. Lurus so I, I, let's, let's just stop for a second and, and think about Yorin though. Like what, what are the things that you think you're going to blink? And then they're going to come into play at the end of the next, at the beginning of the next end step. So you're not even going to get, that um, ability to do something very combo-y on your turn. Right. I mean, we're talking about, like, there's a white-black deck in standard that plays, like, Basilica Bell Haunts and Charming Princes and, like, various cards that are equivalent to Ravenous Rats and so on. Right? Where everything just comes into play and gets a card. Right. 
is the idea. And then you bounce everything, then you flicker everything, and you get like three more cards ideally, is is sort of the, as your end game now sure. would be the goal. I mean, this is this is this is basically super Thassa and a Thassa deck, right? Yeah, because you, you can Thassa this, and then trigger all your other uh, and come into play effects. Yes, you can do that, and it makes perfect sense to build your deck in that way. And this has two blue icons on it, which is reasonably helpful. <laughs> so there's a lot to like there. And like Thassa already was a you know card you wanted to play like two of before, and now you play three. Or whatever. Or if you wanted to play three, and now you play four. Because you have an 80-card deck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you could definitely play the, the Thassa version of that, right? You're going supercharged with your own bonuses instead of trying to nickel and dime your opponent instead. Because right. also, just thinking your opponent discard just got a lot worse. They have an eighth card they can't get to. Like, and they do have an eighth card that you can't get to. <laughs> like, don't pretend they don't, because they do. Right. So, yeah, I think Yorian is the straightforward, like, I have no better companion companion, I think of it right now. Sure. Uh, Yorian, yeah, Yorian is the fallback. I have no other, I have no better companion, or I'm playing an actual exploit Yorian deck. But we're also seeing a dramatic shift from the value of cards that, like, a lot of decks are going to be in a position where none of the 10 companions do something the deck cares about. And none of the 10 companions are especially easy for it to play, or both, right? Like, one or both. And those decks and strategies are at a severe disadvantage all of a sudden. They're just down a card. Right. And since most cards in Magic have not been dramatically rebalanced since this, this happened, that's going to stay that way. And if they do dramatically rebalance cards, then the moment companions go away, everything gets completely screwed up. Or if they keep companions, the next time they print more companions, everything gets screwed up. <laughs> because... I also don't see how you can, like, we're not just going to have these 10 companions be, like, what you do in modern for the rest of time, right? That doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, they're not particularly iconic or generic. They're, like, specific things that have specific things they want you to do. I mean, and also, I just don't like the designs of these things. Like, even if you're going to do companions, like, what are, like there should be a generic companion. Like, the companion for people who acknowledge they don't have a companion. <laughs> right? It can be, like... A shelter artifact. pet? <laughs> what? A shelter pet? <laughs> yeah, like, some sort of artifact, like, that, like, you know, or colorless creature that, just, like, costs four for, like, a 3-3 three, three and, like, doesn't do anything but has no requirement or something. I don't know. Like, I feel like if you do that, then everybody, you know, is, is doing this then, right? Like, But everybody you... is doing this. I, I mean, I guess we just need to see how restrictive the deck building uh, requirements that are imposed by this are. I mean, Yorian... And, and how this might change the way, you know, a deck plays and also the way you can sideboard against decks, right? Like, does this suddenly open up different sideboarding options? Because, you know, people are playing within certain very broad parameters of casting costs. Yeah, or... and there I mean and decks that can swap companions between games will certainly be an interesting small group of decks. Ooh. But I don't think it's likely that anyone will actually do it. But there are 
there are there are pairs that like could conceivably both be both be fulfilled by a deck certainly if it was willing to sideboard a few cards while doing so. Um, but again, like the issue is just I think you could do Luris and Kahira, right? Lura Kahira, Lura's Kahira is pretty easy. Like if you yeah. if the creatures exist, for example, right? And they both have white in their casting costs. Um, you know, Karuga can presumably be alongside other things if they happen to if they happen to work. Uh, Jigantha is pretty close to working in a lot of decks as it is. Right. Um, so that's not very hard. Umori doesn't necessarily preclude you fulfilling someone else's requirement. Uh, Zerda and Luris work in pretty much any deck that just doesn't play permanence, as does Kahira. So like those three all work in a wide variety of decks that are white. Right. They can like potentially swap between them if one of them actually matters more than the other for some reason. Sure. Like if you want to be aggressive, you have Zerda, and if you want to be path, if you want to be defensive, you have Luris or something for some reason. I am not. I have no idea why this is good, but you know. If you can sideboard a card that you always draw for a different card you always draw, it's a really good use of a sideboard card. So, you know, even if it looks really thin, it's probably not thin. All right. Well, let's let's go through. Let's let's, yeah, let's, let's take them. We only have so much time. So we went over Yorian, which is sort of the easy one. Yeah. Right. Like anybody can do it. You can verify it pretty easily. You know, it is what it is. But also, like, if a quarter of all decks are 80 cards all of a sudden, I do not think magic gets better. Sure. Like that's Something I'm worried about is I just don't think that like everyone playing Yorian, because like I think that you put 20 cards in it, you get a four or five flyer. Like every casual player is gonna do that, first of all. And they're gonna be right, I think. Yeah, I think the the weird thing for me is if there's one, if there's a really compelling companion deck, and you're not and you're choosing to play whatever, you're 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 like, I'm still playing Fires of Invention, right? Um, oh, I have some news about Fires of Invention. Yeah, no, I realize. <laughs> but, <laughs> or whatever, just pick a different deck then. And you're okay. not playing a companion. Yes. You're, you've mulliganed, right? You've more than mulliganed. This is important, right? Yeah. You, you are down a card, but you are also fulfilling your own deck requirement in its own way, which is like, if I have Yorian in my deck, I know I get to blink things, but I also know I have a five drop every game. Right. So, and it's either going to die or it's going to be in play unless they exile it specifically. So I know that my chances of not drawing a threat are zero. I know that my chances of not, I don't have to play another five casting cost card in my entire deck. And I can put like three extra lands in my deck. Right, and have my mana just work? Because I know I have a spell. That's pretty expensive. So I have all of these different things that I can do better than you, and you start off mulliganing. Right. So it's a dramatic problem. So yes, there are strategies right now that are very powerful that really don't fit any of the companions, but I think it's going to be really hard to survive in a world without true hate when legitimately top-tier decks can just slide a companion. Right. Even if only one can do it, I don't know what happens. Like, I am non-zero afraid of one deck format. Right. 
Okay. Right. Well, I mean, so the opportunity cost of playing, let's let's start with Garuda, Doom of Depths. Four Yeah, this is one of the expensive ones in terms of like you're 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 gonna have to do something a little weird. So four um, Demir Demir, it's a six six. Now, normally to play a six six in your deck for six, there's an opportunity cost to that that you might draw it. <laughs> right? Like in your opening hand or anywhere before the turn where you can cast it. Yeah, I think you're selling this card short because you haven't read its text box yet. I understand. Yes. Uh, the, but the opportunity cost, I'm, I'm just saying, uh, absent the text box, right? Like, for some, assuming there's something in the text box that makes you want to play it, it's still like a weird card to draw on turn three and, you know, have to, where, you, where you're looking for something else. Yeah, you have to play more lands because you have a six drop in your deck, and then you have to have things that bridge you to the six drop, and then you could easily be in a position where you're not you're in no, you're in no state to play a six drop, and you have to expose it to discard for five turns minimum. Yeah, so and something that is true. Yeah, Garuda says companion. Your starting deck contains only cards with even converted mana costs, and then it says when convert when Garuda enters the battlefield. Each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. Put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. Right. So anything you play will work because you weren't allowed to play odd. Right. Uh, so this means that you want to play a bunch of fours and sixes in your deck in addition to Geruda, or yeah. you risk being stuck with a two a lot. Um, you certainly want to play a bunch of creatures because you will cast this most games. Right. Like this is no if you if you play a six six and then you have a decent chance of hitting a four or six drop on top of a six six, that's not a bad six mana turn. Right. So So if I end up with this and Sphinx of Foresight in play. That's not bad. That's right. That's like a fires of invention turn. It's a very good fires of invention turn. Yeah. And you only use one card, which you didn't yeah. even have to pay for, and now you can do it again. And this thing can be blinked, this thing can be bounced you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you can set up to use your graveyard properly. I mean, you can't play Uro, but you can play Plukronos. Right. So you're going to mill four cards every single game. You can escape now, right? Like, that's a thing. I also like Lockmere Serpent because Ooh. you mill four cards from their deck and maybe you want to make sure they don't use their Uru right now. <laughs> and maybe you'd like a 7-7 seven, seven out of your graveyard. Right. For future use. Or maybe you want to just put it directly into play because it's a six drop. You know, there are lots and lots of household uses, right in the exact right colors. And my default plan for this deck is that you're probably running Soul Tie because your plan is to play a two mana acceleration creature on turn two and a at least another two mana acceleration creature plus something else on turn three. Right? Because like if you only if you don't if you have to play two, four, six. You want to make sure your two gets you to four. Right. So I do think you can play things like you know, Thought Erasure, Agonizing Demise on turn two, and then like another one or a removal spell on turn three, and then like try a double spell reasonably often on turn four. But I think you don't have that many creatures in that deck. And that's a problem for what you're trying to do. And you're probably like where this, where this card wants to live is like many of these cards uh, on Paradise Druid's wing. <laughs> And I think that, like, that's going to be true a lot. I've been trying to make this acceleration thing happen 
with very with varied success for a long time. But the big problem with those decks was what happens if you don't draw enough mana, and what happens if you just draw air. And we just solved both of those problems to a large extent because you always have a good, you know, top end card that you're working towards, and you have to play more cards that aren't top end in your regular deck because of that. So things go wrong a lot less. This is true for Jairuda. This is true for Mori. This is true for Jingantha. Right? Like, they're all... And it's true for Yorian. All four allow you to play a rampy strategy with a lot of good insurance. Right. And so this is going to be one of the things that tries to break through to challenge fires. Interesting. Because I think we have to think of Standard almost as having only one deck until proven otherwise right now. Because wow. one deck can properly use a companion to its full potential that was already good. So who else survives? Right? This is not like Pharos. This is not like even Throne of Eldraine, where if you had a good deck, you could, you know, if you had a deck, you can keep your deck, right? And like decks get a little bit better. No. You just mulligan into every game against fires. Right. And everyone gets to play fires if they want. Yeah. So how much better did your deck get? Why do you have the right to live? Find your companion. You know, I, I review the set half of mine that the companions are banned when I write when I wrote my, my review because otherwise you just speak in this weird universe that I really hope isn't right. Right? The universe where like because Karuga makes me so angry. Let's talk about Karuga next. Okay. So Karuga, the Macro Sage, uh, three Simic Simic for a legendary dinosaur hippo. It is a 5-4, and your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater and lands. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other creature you control with converted mana cost three or greater. Yeah, so when I first Saucy. saw this card, I didn't realize right away. First of all, because my brain just put it in green, like a little bit, just because of the way the coloring works and just like instinctively, but also because I had forgotten that Throne of Eldraine lets you just blatantly cheat this card to the point where the restriction barely matters. Uh. Right? Like, if you actually couldn't play... If this card said, you can't... You know, if this is your companion, you can't play... You can't play spells that have converted mana cost two or less. We'd be having a conversation right now. Right. But I wouldn't be that angry about this particular card. That's not right. what it says. Okay. It says your cards have to headline cost three. Okay. The problem being... Fires was already playing Bone Crusher Giant. Oh, sure. And Brazen Borrower. Sure. So oh. they don't even have to cut down on the number of one and two drops they were already playing. Right. And they then count as three drops for Karuga to trigger off of. Right. As does the Fires itself. As does the Fires itself, as do all of your creatures. So you barely have to change your build. Right? You have to cut like the two two mana cards that weren't that. 
that you decided to play or whatever, and the two more on your sideboard, at most. And everything else is fine. So you're you're envisioning a scenario where I go end of turn to bounce your thing with brazen bar or stomp on it with uh, bone crusher giant, untap, yeah. play bone crusher giant, say go. You do something. I go fires of invention and uh, sphinx. So just like just like now. Okay. I had then, a good draw. Yeah. I had a normal draw. I did my thing. Right? Now I untap. I don't have to have a Karuga in my hand because it's my companion. You know I have one. Yep. You know 100% that I have one. And there's nothing you can do about it. I Karuga. And assuming you don't have Aether Gust, <laughs> uh, I play this. And then I'm going to draw three cards minimum. And or okay, if yeah. I... Or if I had something else, if I had my Cavalier or something, I can go Cavalier and then this and then draw four cards. Yeah, more frequent is something like you play another creature into Karuga and then draw two or three cards on turn five off of the card you didn't pay for. And then you just literally never don't have two cards in your hand until the game ends. Right. Right. And those cards all cost like five and four. Right. I mean, you were previously really heavy on five drops, and you're still going to be reasonably heavy on five drops because you want to play two of them at once. And because moving from a five to a six drop doesn't really get you very far, so, like, the temptation to run the Dream Trawler isn't that big. Sure. It's not not that big. I I think, you know, we can talk about whether you suddenly want a Dream Trawler in your deck or two, but I don't... I've always been a skeptic on that Uh, in the previous world. It got a little better, I suppose. But the bottom line is that I get to cut a few cards out of my deck to put in more mana, effectively, right? And more mana means more temples, probably. Sure. I can oh, also yeah. play. I can also play cycling lands, right? I, have, I, I yeah, I can play tri lands, and I can play temples. And because I have more lands total, I still have as many untapped lands as I had before. Or I can increase the number of untapped lands to make sure my mana works early and adds less pain in it, and just works. And now I can also mow into fires very aggressively because this car, because Karuga will just bail me out. Right. So, you know, this is the deck that got a ton better and otherwise probably didn't change at all. I don't yeah. think this had anything that's otherwise interesting. I mean, it's certainly very, very spicy in fires. Yeah, I think there's like a card or two that you would want if the Karuga wasn't your companion, potentially. Right? The two drop, there's, there's a removal spell that Red got that's pretty good, for example. Sure. Like, given you have this companion, yeah, I think you just stick to plan A. I think it's just so straightforwardly you want to be doing exactly what you were doing. So, and, and what, yeah. but one copy of Karuga in your sideboard, and it just changes the total texture of the deck and how you play it. Yes, and this deck is, in its current form, almost exactly, you know, two sets old. Yeah. So, like, there's really very little excuse to not see this coming. Right? Would be my attitude. With plenty of time. This is this deck has been, like, in the process of being assembled, but slightly early, like I often used to do with older decks, for a long time. Like, there were proto-builds of this a long time. You know, it was more than long enough ago. Like, Karuga is sort of like just, but but the set that lets you cheat this is two sets 
in the past, not the future. <laughs> like, come on, guys, come on. This is not reasonable. But again, like, if you, cut, if you start banning companions, then suddenly everybody's doing the same thing because there's only so many companions. Right. Like, 10 is, if anything, not enough, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's so funny, too, because when you think about the fires deck, like, the fail rate on the fires deck is do they have it on turn five, right? Do they have something? And not only do they always have something now, but it's going to draw them one to two cards. The fail rate given fires of invention is in your draw. Yeah. It's going to drop by more than half. Wow. It's going to drop dramatically. It's going to be, because I have more lands, so the chance I just fail on lands is much lower. And the chance that I fail for not having action is also lower despite having more lands in the deck. Right. And because I have an extra card that I can play, I now have an extra card to cycle every time I use my Cavaliers. Like, no, you're just not going to fail. Like, in particular, you're not going to... Before, if you mulliganed, you seriously had to... You, you always needed some help. And now that's just not very... That's not even true anymore. Right. Right? So, fires got much stronger. And... You know, we've watched people play fires on camera these past few weeks perfectly well. Yeah, I mean, the deck made it to uh, the finals of the Magic Online Championship uh, on Sunday. You know, it yeah, lost but I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I would think it was the best deck or anything, but it no. certainly is a perfectly viable choice right now. Yeah, and, and so letting it start with an eight-card hand seems fantastic. Yeah, and the question, the follow-up question is, if you know that the deck, okay, so like, we saw what happened, and, and they don't print real sideboard cards anymore the same way they used to. You can main deck or just bury someone with after board. So we had Oko. It took over Magic for briefly before it was banned. It was two-thirds of the field. And you look at the other decks, and they barely even changed from their post-Oko incarnations. Right? Like, fires didn't change when Oko was banned. The deck was just what it was. We just realized we should have been playing Sphinx all along. Right? I, like, I, I put in Sphinx, but I realized I should have been playing Sphinx the whole time, not because <laughs> it's better now. Right. If anything, Sphinx was good against Oko. Right? You wanted to fly over and kill Planeswalkers. It was a fine card. And so, you know, I don't think other decks get to change much. Even knowing the build is half fire. Like, they're already not badly set up. Right. Like, what do you change? Right. You're right. No, you, you could play it without changing anything, right? You could just, you could play it with just one copy of this in your sideboard. And I think you do. And I think the main reason you don't do that is because you are pre-boarding against the mirror. <laughs> okay. And you can't play Aether Gust anymore. Right. Right. That's the one card that you actually met, I think. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's like, a big I don't, deal. I don't, I don't miss Justice Strike particularly, personally. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, like, I, sure, I'd like a Knife or Temp two-drop spell, but, like, I don't miss it much. It's fine. Aether Gust you miss. Aether Gust was sweet. So it loses Aether Gust. But that's not going to come up. That's not going to make up for Mulligans. It just won't. I mean, like, look, you, you'll probably see people try to go under the new fires because they'll be, like, unable to bury them in two drops or something. 
But it's also not clear that fires without access to aether dust even wants the cyborg much at all. So many things could come to pass. It's possible that in the actual aggro matchups, you give up your companion after board for that reason. I'm just speculating right now. Right. Like your entire board is just, I am going to bring in like all of the cheap removal spells because I win those matchups anyway, regardless. And everyone else I just stand packed because who cares? Right. My deck is just better. And I can't stop anything that matters anyway. I'm not allowed to. Or something. <laughs> Although worth noting, Mystical Dispute can be played with this card. It's like you have another card you can play for one or two Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. That card no, probably does make the sideboard. And Legion War Boss has always been good times. So you have you have options that matter. Yeah. So like you probably don't do the thing. But like it's yeah, it's just anyway, we should we should move on to more companions. But like so we talked about Garuda, Karuga, and Yorian. Um let's talk about Jagantha. It's a card you've mentioned a couple times as well. Jagantha the Wellspring. It's four and a gruel for a five-five. Uh elemental elk. No card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol in its mana cost. Yeah, this card sort of strikes me as, in a weird way, this is the fun police. So I could play Stone Rain, but I couldn't play Pillage with this. That's right. And I say it in a weird way, this is the fun police, because what this card is doing is taking card decks that would otherwise be able to to themselves, I don't need a companion because I can't run any of them. It just bans every card that has two, two of the same mana and its cost and cost. It tells them not allowed to play them anymore. Right. It just rips them out. It's like, are you going to pass up a 5-5 five, five at the top of your curve, even if it basically that happens to that for mana, but let's be honest, who cares? Right. Um, so yeah, its ability, is tap, its ability yeah. is tap for Wooberg. This mana can't be spent to pay generic mana costs. Right. So, like, you're playing a rule beatdown deck that, let's say, for whatever reason exists, you know, are you going to hold on to your questing beasts, or are you going to have a 5-5? Five five? Right. Like, it's just taking cards away from us. I mean, Embercleave... It takes, takes Embercleave away, yeah. Embercleave is the one card that might be good enough that you just can't afford to to have this. Maybe Embercleave is too good. I would, rather have, Ember, I would rather have Embercleave than this. I mean, it's possible. Being not a card, like, would you... But anyway, if Embercleave said, when you draw this card, skip your next draw step, do you still like it? <laughs> yeah, I usually skip my next draw step when I play Embercleave. Well, I mean, isn't it, you have to mulligan if you draw it, right? Like, you just <laughs> draw and turn one. <laughs> no, I just meant when I, when I, when I play it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, because the game's over. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but keep in mind... You sure? I can explain the joke more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you draw less than one Embercleave per game, and it costs you a card. So, like, it's... I realize that Embercleave is a great card, and maybe that gets you out of doing it sometimes, but, like, this card is sort of pushing players towards not playing cards they'd like to play and just cutting down on the available cards in ways that don't seem fun to me at all. Right. Um, it also potentially lets people do crazy stuff if it lives, if they're trying. I mean, obviously, the, the dream is you tap this for Wooberg and play to Visit Reborn. I was just going to say, that's, this almost seems, like, scripted in that sense. Yeah, the problem is those decks are relying more on casualties of war than you might think. Sure. And I've been trying to think about this, and I'm not sure if you bite the bullet or not. Like, I mean, you have to bite some bullet. You have to have a companion. But, yeah. you know, as good as that is, you're 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 giving up your ability to actually contain these board positions and, and win these games. 
I'm not sure you can, but then again, you get to play like other cool stuff that costs six. That's like also very powerful in the same slot. So maybe. Um, I like this with the Apex Predators a lot. Okay. Because like you get to pay for, potentially you could tap this for Ruberg and then like play multiple, um, like play one of these, play one of the Apex guys and mutate another one onto it immediately on turn six. Right. Or turn five. More real, you know, if you're me, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just sort of, Giganta's in a weird spot, right? Five is a very awkward place to be accelerating your mana from. Sure. Like Nyxta was doing a lot of the same stuff and like just never quite got there because of the various restrictions. And this obviously is a lot more flexible. This this feels like it's here as a tool for a Nivisit deck that doesn't cur- currently exist. Yeah, this feels like a big... It actually feels like a miss in the sense that it doesn't do the... It's, it's trying to do a very specific thing that I applaud it for trying to do and it doesn't really quite do it because the cards that they printed in the same set to help you splash around the colors are three-color. All of them. And so you can't play them with Nivisit. Like Nivisit has to have a critical mass of things it can hit to be good. And this card is making that very difficult. The number of high-end cards that are exactly one mana from two different colors, without being right. one mana from a third or a second of one of the colors, sure, not very high. Your choices are like Garrick Six and I actually checked. Let me see what I wrote. Um... Where's the Gigantha passage? Right. So you get, um, you get right. Is, is Garrick, Curse Huntsman, or Lockmere Serpent at six? Okay. Are like your two best options, and neither one of them does the thing you really want to do there. I don't think so. It's just not exciting. Like I mean, they're not, they're not bad cards, right? Like if you were playing Singleton, you'd be playing them. Right. But well, like this, this also feels like a card you keep checking in on as new sets get released, right? Oh, I'm, I'm not saying nobody plays it. Again, I think this is the sort of, this is the sigh I get. I think there'll be a lot of sigh. I guess I'll play Gigantha. Gigantha? Yeah. And and I'll maybe even, I think there'll be people who's, people who, people will splash for this. Sure. The one with only one colored mana at its cost, unlike the other nine. Like I I think they're all, you know, hybrid, hybrid, and this one's the exception. Right. But I think you will see people who don't play red or green otherwise, or not very much of it. Like, just find a way sometimes because they just want a 5-5. Five five. Right. right. This thing is at least large, and it's, it's, it's not that onerous a requirement for a lot of decks that, like, happen to be pretty close. And again, like, if Embercleave was R5, this card would be so very different. <laughs> right? They just have yeah. one card that's screwing up the program. Because, like, one of, the, one, of the, one of the stupid cards from Front of Eldrain that's still with us because it's the only card that aggro decks ever win a game with anymore? Yeah. I mean, I wish that wasn't true, but it kind of is. Seems, seems pretty accurate. Yeah, like I haven't... I've seen some aggro decks win, but they either were up against another aggro deck or they had an Embercleave. Yeah, I watched, I watched Brandon Burton keep a one-land hand with two Embercleaves in it today because he was like, wow, well, I'm going to win. I think that decision was a, good, was a good one. I will be honest. I understand what he was thinking, but no. <laughs> I was watching. He's like, oh, I'll win with Embercleave. And he did. And he did. <laughs> he doesn't make it right. 
<laughs> no, I know. I understand. Um, let's talk about Jubilant Skybonder. This seems like a reasonably safe-ish one. Uncommon, one Azorius, Azorius, two, two flying creatures you control. Oh, that's not a, that's not a companion. Sorry. No, I was like, what? I, we did the Azorius companion already, right? Yeah, yeah, like, no, yeah. no, that's not a companion. No, let's try to get the, the Orphan Guard. It's a very straightforward card, right? It's uh, Selesnia, Selesnia one, legendary cat beast, uh, vigilance, companion, each creature in your starting deck is a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast. And each creature that is one or more of those gets plus one, plus one in vigilance that you control. Oof. So first of all, mouthful. Yeah. Second of all, you know, I should check the back catalog to see if it's if it's, a, it's protected by the Endangered Species Act or if I could like actually. <laughs> and third of all, um, okay, so I'm playing an elemental deck and I get to play a royal grazer. As far as I can tell, what that means. Yeah. Technically a beast. Had to look. Yeah. And occasionally our royal grazer beats people down, and not because I turned it into a three-three. Right. Or because I'm playing an Embercleave. But, okay. I mean, essentially what this is saying is if you play an elemental deck, you get a lord, you can just play for free. Right. For as I can tell. With a very, oh. very small restriction on it. Right? You can't, right. You, you can't play cards you might not want to play anyway. Right. And if you're, you know, keeping an eye out for cats or, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff you can do here. Yeah, I'm not keeping much of an eye out for cats or nightmares. There might be a new dinosaur that I'm forgetting about. Like yeah. you can play a dinosaur. Like basically, your 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 elementals were like a tier two strategy. Yeah, that had some things going on. Having a lord that you can play for free seems pretty sweet. Right. And again, this can get killed and then brought back with something else. Right. You can you can do all sorts of other things. Um, to still exploit this, right? You could still cameo it back to your hand if you want to get the boost. You can, you can do all sorts of stuff. I don't think this is actually that tempting as an elemental player. I think elemental players are more concerned with the card advantage engine. Sure. And just booting up critical mass and like, you don't necessarily need it. Of course, you don't have access to four end maze and end raise four end maze end raise four runners anymore. I don't think is, there, is that a beast. I forget. Let me look. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, you're looking? Okay. Yeah, I'm looking. Slowly. <laughs> I'm clicking on it. Whoops, your internet just exploded. That's not good. What? All right. Andre's Forerunners is a boar. All right, so no. How are boars not just beasts? That's... Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, you can't play you can't play the big finisher, so you're a little sad about that, but you'll be okay. And yeah, I mean straightforwardly, you're just playing the same elemental deck you were always playing, except your reward for going a little lower on the curve, and you get to play you have reliably one more elemental. So, you know, everything is that much more dangerous. And again, like that probably, you know, a, a good free Hard. It doesn't that not like some decks will be like okay, you don't have to change very much about what you're built. You get a card that synergizes with everything you were doing, and it costs you a good deal, right? As a card you play, it's a free card. Another deck should just be agonizing of whether they get a card they don't even like, right? And that's a pretty sharp contrast. Right? I do not expect the balance of power to 
look like it used to look. So, um, the next step would be Luris of the Dream Den, which is the which is my pick for the Modern Breaker. Sure, I mean it's called naive, is... everyone's naive place pick for the Modern Breaker. And I think the people the naive people are just right. Um, so companion, each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost two or less, because who can really afford three mana in modern anyway? Yep. Life link. During each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. So in standard, this is hard to use because stopping your curve at two kind of hurts. Sure. Like there's a bunch of permanent cards you can use. There's lots of cards that generate permanents or that like support them that you can try and use. I do think Knights has a reasonable shot at using this. Again, you have to pay the Embercleave tax. Right. The, the card I think about with this that's interesting to me, if, you, if there's something that you just want to continually keep doing and you don't want it to get disrupted by someone killing your Loris, is um, Omen of the Dead. Which, which is a cheap, uh, gets under the, the cost to be to included in a Loris stack, lets you return your Loris, but also, you know, with Loris in play, also gives you some ability to keep your deck moving forward in a, in an interesting right. way. You can, you can keep casting the Omen of the Dead over and over again every turn to get back other things. Right, get to keep scrying to affect your draw step. Yeah, you know. I, I, I like Witching Well for that. Sure, Actually, that works like, well too. I, yeah, I was thinking about that. Um, and But all of this is sort of, like, that's the- Also, Omen of the Sea also works well for this. I also like just playing Priest, play it with like just Priest of Forgotten Gods uh, silliness, right? Like, sure. you're just doing your black sacrifice thing with a bunch of one drops and two drops, and you know, you just keep playing them and sacrificing them. Sure, there's, there's a, a new um, Doom Traveler in this set, right? It's a cat that comes back as a token, and so there's some other stuff you can do along those lines, too. Yeah, I don't think you actually want to be both black and white. I think that's, like, kind of a red herring, but it's possible. Okay. Yeah. I just, don't, I just don't know what else you get, right, if you get right. white right now. Yeah. I mean, you have that new removal spell that's really good, but, you know, it's a white-black exile target creature whose life equals to its toughness if you don't have a human. Oh, sure. Yeah, that yeah. card's really good. It's really good. It's not in my top 10, but, you know, again, like, you always have to pick some cards. But this is, this is, you're right. Standard is obviously pushed in a fatter direction right now. Yeah. This would be a little hard to justify. Right. In standard, like, you know, if you try to play aggro, it's already rough out there, but you also need to play your three drops and your four drops even. So, but in, in modern, well, let's start with burn, death shadow, and infect. All of which fit this requirement by accident. Unless they randomly, like, except for like, you know, the random ranger in Death Shadow, where like maybe you have one random three drop in, infected, you know, enchantment or something. Right. But by, by the way, just, just to make sure people are aware, this says each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost two or less. You can play with, you know, if you wanted to play with Wrath of God for whatever reason, you could. Yes. Right? Like, you could play with anything that's a that's a sorcery or an instant. Just anything that's a permanent planeswalker, creature, enchantment. Or, yeah, or this is not a concern here. It, it's purely the creature. Yeah. So you might have I mean, you have to give up your delve creatures in Death Shadow, but Yep. 
This you need to give up. You also need to give up um, uh, Street Wraith. Yeah, you have Street Wraith, which I, I always, I wasn't sure if that card was. It's presumably pretty good, but like, I think you'll be fine. Yeah. I think there's enough. Yeah, you know, we've printed so many cards since then. <laughs> there are many cards you can exploit this with. Uh, Mishra's Bobble is just the most obviously blatantly silly one. Sure. Like just starting on, like just play it, draw a card. Now I'm up two cards. If you don't kill this thing, I'm going to have an extra card every goddamn turn for the rest of the game. Death Shadow itself is obviously great. Um, every creature in Burn is a thing. You know, every creature in Infect is a thing. I and, and and also the ability to play on Earth. Right now yeah. that you're doing this, because you always have Luris, right? Unless they specifically have to exile it or something. Right. Like so, either you let Luris live, and then everything else also lives. Or you kill it and I unearth it again and keep doing this. Right. Like, well, well, but, you know, I just, I don't understand why we're pushing magics. Like, you sort of like, okay, we pushed magic cards so hard. We need to invalidate every deck again. How do we do that? Oh, we just give people an extra one. That seems fine. Um, the next up would be uh, Lutri the Spell Chaser. So, you know, and then like, we had to ban that card, unfortunate. Yeah, in Commander. I mean, it's, in, it's, it's, the only, it's the only card that in Standard I'm not necessarily mad at. Right. Anyway, it's the it's Frank Karsten. It's like the Frank Karsten Invitational card. It's actually hard to use. Yeah. And it's really, it's really weird, right? It's 3 2 with no abilities on the table. It just has Flash. Or is it, is it one? And like it copies a instant or sorcery you control? while it's on the stack. So you have to cast it at exactly the right time and you have to save three mana to do that and you just get a three, two. Like it seems like a bad payoff for a reasonably stiff requirement that nobody was remotely close to fulfilling. Like outside of Commander where it's free. Right. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's like sort of, Every format where this card is good, it's banned. And every format where this card isn't banned, it's not good. <laughs> Just not a great sign. Right? Because like either you're already required to play one of everything, at which point you have to ban this card. Or you're not already required, at which point it's a devastating requirement, nobody's gonna play it. Right. It's my assumption. Right. I'm trying to like hold out hope. Like one of the questions I had was okay, I know that most of these should be in my top 10 if I include companion. Do I put Lutri on the list on just general precautionary principles? Or does Luca get a slot? <laughs> yeah. Well, Luca's my number one for bullet if you don't count companion. But yeah. yeah. Well, let's 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 move on and talk about Obash. Obash, the prey piercer. Three um Rakdos Rakdos for a three-five. Starting deck contains only odd converted mana costs. Uh if you're if a source you control with an odd number odd converted. Mana cost would deal damage to a permanent or player, deals dumb, double that damage to that permanent or player instead. Yeah. So it's pushing this to be an aggro thing, right? Because you're doubling all the damage. And also, like, you're playing a ton of one drops because you don't want your, your second turn to be deeply embarrassing. Right. <laughs> so you want to play three one drops on an average game into a three drop, into a three drop, and another one drop. Right, as the default, if you're not cheating, and by cheating I mean like remove Grayson Borrower and Bone Crusher Giant. 
Except when you cast Stomp, it counts as an even, right? Yeah, so if you play Stomp out of your hand, Wallace is in play, you don't get to do four damage. And I, I, I really feel bad for you. <laughs> so you'll be fine. So like, yeah. there's a bunch of different things you can do. Like Mono Red can just sort of play worse cards in order to get a five drop that like lets you Alpha Strike for double damage. Right. Uh, that's a very reasonable thing you can do. The black sacrifice. Interestingly, annex tokens wouldn't get that right because that's they have zero, so they're considered even. Right, you keep annex tokens. That's right. Yeah. And again, you lose Embercleave, but yeah, this is your Embercleave now, right? This is your this is your Torben, This is your Embercleave, right? It's like serving that serving that role, and you always just have it. Yeah. Um, black can do reasonably similar things. It actually has a reasonably deep bench if you want it to. And you can also try to do something funky, right? Like you can play some sort of weird Grixis stack if you want to, to cheat your second turn. There's a bunch of options. I mean, you're getting a three, five that deals double damage as yeah. your companion. So you've got, it hits pretty hard. Right. Uh, but the, the, the cost is real. I expect this to be pretty awkward to use like on a whim. Right, but, it's a, but, it, but if you can, it's a, it's a free Furnace of Wrath you get to play. Yeah, my worry is that like you have all these cards that are like super awkward unless you're doing something pretty narrow, and then only those narrow things survive. Basically, I think that's a reasonably likely vision of the future. I mean, I think it's possible that that like somehow none of the companions are that powerful, but I don't see how that's true given Karuga. <laughs> right, like the others, I can sort of see like Karuga. You think it must be busted? Mori seems like it probably has to be busted. Yorian seems like it has to be pretty busted. But for Karuga, I just can't feel like I can't be wrong. Yeah. But the other individually, I'm like, maybe I'm wrong about each of these things separately. But Karuga. No, I mean, Karuga just seems actually just Busto in the fire stack. Right. And once you have the example, like, even if we can't do it anywhere else, it doesn't need to be anywhere else. Right. And if they ban a card, if, by the way, if they ban a card in the fire deck that isn't Karuga, <laughs> because of this problem, I am going to flip over. Can I still play my companion for free with fires? Or no? You may play cards without paying their mana costs, right? What's the problem? I mean, well, but, it might be from your hand. I mean, it doesn't really matter because you can, it doesn't matter very much, right? Like, but I'll look. Uh, no, he said you may play spells without paying their mana costs. It doesn't say from your hand. All right. Yep. Yep. Double checking. No, but even if it was true, it wouldn't make much difference because, you know, it's not like you didn't get to play the other card for free. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't kill them out with Cavalier Flame in this or something. But, like, right. it's, you know, again, boohoo. Boohoos are all around. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, we have two left. Umori, Umori the Collector. You mentioned this one earlier. This is two um, Golgari, Golgari. Golgari for a 4-5. Each non-land in your starting deck shares a card type. Um, if Umori the Collector enters the battlefield, choose a card type. Spells you cast of the chosen card type cost one less to cast. So I have to play this in an all-creature deck or an all-enchantment deck? or Right, and I hope you choose wisely. If you don't name the thing that you're only building with, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Like, I mean, it almost should just say spells cast cost one less, right? Like, that's right. what it actually says. Though, 
It's four. I mean, you guys you can play it without being a companion. That you have to make something. Um, but okay, so it's four or five for four mana. Uh, I think instant sorceries and creatures are all reasonably interesting. Enchantments might be interesting in a way I'm not thinking about. I don't think they are. Artifacts aren't. Right. Would be the way I would put it. And planeswalkers aren't because the there's nothing to do with the first few turns, and that's just too bad. <laughs> you can't. You can't do this on turn four after skipping turns one and two. Like you just you just overrun. Right, right. So the most promising again is creatures because if you're running this in a creature deck as if it's a green card, and you're playing a second turn Paradise Druid or Incubation Druid or Druid of the Cow, we may have printed some redundant cards around here. There's also a new one three that taps for any color to play creatures. Yeah. So we've got options. We play Omori on turn three most games with a mana guy in play, and we name creatures. And now we can play a six drop on turn four. And we had a four or five to block up on turn three. All right. Like, this is going to happen over and over and over again. We always had the first big creature. We always get the second acceleration piece. Both. Right? And again, like I can just play this really, really smooth game where I just get to drop giant bombs on you. And there's very little rec- very little recourse that you have, other than do something better than me. <laughs> but you know, creatures at this point include many, many things that do many, many things. Like I have a lot of flexibility on where I want to go with this. Sure. So I don't know what my high end is. Like obvious things are like, oh, you're just playing four turn green trawler, of course. Why are we thinking? But I don't know. We'll yeah, find out. yeah. It's always interesting about these uh, hybrid cards is that they do first level put you into thinking about the two colors that are in the casting cost. But there's no reason that Umori the Collector can't go into a Bant deck. Yeah, you have to, for that first minute, you have to realize, no, I just pick one of these two colors and it's fine. Like if you happen to have the other color handy, it's a bonus, it makes it easier, but it's not required. I do think these decks, you know, end up splashing the other color sometimes because it helps you cast the one key card that you always have and then you have a chance to play a card that you especially want to be playing like Lucranos, for example in the spot potentially yeah but i wonder you know, if there's a uh, i wonder if there's a doom foretold deck you can play with all enchantments with all enchantments i don't know what it would be i just i'm pretty sure the answer is no because I too but i'm curious well, the problem is that like Doom Foretold is really a lot of reallys dependent on both having sweepers and having the the sucker punch at the end where it brings all the enchantments back, and all oh, the sucker punches are enchantments. Yeah, you can't dance on the mance. I mean, I don't even want to dance on the mance anymore, but I also can't Uriel's meta. Right, got it. So depending on which direction you're going in, and I guess I we'll see, but I don't think it works. So then there's yeah. uh, Zerda the Dawn Waker. Which we have experience with this kind of idea. We've seen that line before, right? Abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. Oh, this is like Simic Biomancer. This effect can't reduce the mana that cost to less than one mana. One tap, target creature can't block this turn. Which is a very interesting way of making sure that Uro can't blank your entire team of four fours. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> In case you were wondering why that line's on that card, maybe they were thinking of us. Yeah. Maybe. 
It's weird this card is Boros. Yeah, super weird. Like this, right, card, this, this card has historically been blue or blue-green, right? It's training this, ground. This should totally be the Simic Companion. That would make sense. Yes. Zerda, yeah, it's possible that they like thought that Fires was too good and swapped Garuga and Zerda at the last minute or something. Which doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, not at all. It would have to be specifically green-black to matter at all. And it's not clear to me, by the way, that Fires wouldn't play Karugi if it was green-black. And it's not clear to me how many mana sources it would play. Right. <laughs> like, it might be zero. It might just be like, you know what? It only works with Fires. That's fine. <laughs> Each so, card in your starter deck has an activated ability. Okay. So, right. So, basically, all you have to do is not play creatures, this cards this doesn't mix with. But you can play as few permanents that aren't lands as you want. Right? So you have the ability to sort of... This is another example of you're going to end up sliding this into decks that don't have any use for Zerda. Where Zerda sure. is kind of a 3-3 three, three for 3 that has this weird activated ability that like makes things not block. But you know what? It's a free card... And all I had to do was not play this creature I didn't want I, I I wanted to play and that's fine. Or whatever. I had to like again just restrict my range of cards I could play. But again, if you don't have a companion, you're just down a card. And like if you have a bad companion, you're down half a card, but half a card is much better than no card. Than one card. <laughs> so But yeah, actually I, my first deck with the set I built with Zerda, actually. People were talking about this. Some some, some players were talking about this in, in terms of just like vintage. Like some of these cards, you just want as like almost like a Simeon Spirit Guide beatdown option, right? Like you're just like, well, if I can play this, why wouldn't I just play one of these in my sideboard for some matchups where I just get to play this creature now and get to just beat down with it? I mean, obviously, if you're playing like a standard issue deck in vintage, that. You know, you're playing a normal vintage, just good stuff deck that used to play like two monastery mentors spells and permanents to tap for mana or something, yeah. right? So it's like, yeah, if I cut my two monastery mentors for something else, I get to play a free card. Right. Yeah, I'm going to play my free card. Like, we're going to play my free card. Yeah. So, so, and, what, so the card you're most worried about out of this is most worried about most immediately is Karuga and Standard? In Standard, it's Karuga. In Modern, it's Luris. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I think Luris is is really interesting in a, in a lot of combo decks that want to do um, all sorts of shenanigans. I, I think it's just going to open up any number of options for those decks to have this way to reset and and keep their engine going. Yes, yeah, so like yesterday. So I, I this this Saturday I'm going to be judging uh, the 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 format roulette. Oh, very nice. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Now we made that happen because just sounded like so much fun. Why wouldn't I just do it? Yeah, I did it. Uh, and that's a great idea, right? You just spin up some random sets from the past that never overlap with each other. Say, go build decks, have a tournament, have some prizes, let's have some fun while we're all locked down. Yeah, and it's great. This feels like one of, and I, I once did a similar thing where I ran a vintage tournament 
with only a band list, which did not include the Moxes and no restricted list. It was reasonably early in Magic. I said, I'm going to ban all the ways to draw seven cards, basically, and cool. Necro, and like all the ways to just replenish your hand immediately and let you have as many Moxes as you want, up to four each. And let's see what happens. And that was a lot of fun. It was a you know, proxy tournament online, basically, because before Magic yeah, yeah. Off, you know, yeah. it had Moxes in it. So we just, whatever. And lots of people showed up, and they played lots of different stuff. And there were eight Moxes in the finals. Nice. Four sapphires, four, four, four emeralds lost to four rubies. <laughs> Not, 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 not the, the, the favorite didn't come in there. Nothing ever changes, my friends, right? Like, <laughs> it, just just, it was a great weekend. Even if, whether or not it was a reasonable format if the boxes were sufficiently available. Right. It was an interesting experiment and really fun for one day. Right. And the companions feel like that, right? If they just said, here are some 10 weird cards we don't on Arena, this weekend you can play with them. Right. And we all scrambled. That would be a really great weekend. Right, so the first week of this is going to be great, unless it's all just like fires, 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 fires. But assuming they didn't just walk into that purely, it's going to be fine. Um, How many clicks do you think it'll take? So on Thursday, I'm going to be doing the channel fireball thing again, but we're going to be looking at streamers doing early access stuff. How many clicks do you think it'll take to find a Karuga Fires deck? One, obviously, but I mean the, the. the question is a, a mirror. How many clicks to find a mirror? Right? Like, <laughs> I think on average, you're a favorite to find one in the first game. Because, like, but, because, like, it takes only, like, a third of the field to be playing it or something for it to be a favorite in the first game. But that's, that's, this is a question of psychology, right? If everybody knows what the presumed best deck is, but everybody also knows how to build it, and, you have, and it includes, like, one new card, and you get early access... Are you going to be the asshole who plays it? <laughs> I mean, you kind of want... I mean, there's there's some, you know, cachet to being first. Is there, though? Because I feel like you're not first anymore. I feel, I feel like the first person to write the article or quote the tweet that points out that Fires just plays this card has that, like, little five-minute window where that person won, right? And she or he or whoever gets to gloat for the rest of time. I don't know who it was. Whoever it is. Remind us it was you. <laughs> but it wasn't me. I wasn't even yeah. paying attention at the time. Yeah. But, you know, if you just are the first person to play that in early access, if you're one of the, like, I don't know how many people get early access, like a couple hundred. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. But if you're one of the, out of the 300 people who have early access, the, the 100 assholes who shuffle up fires on that day, <laughs> they know how to play fires inside and out already and nothing really changed. Well, they could be running some sweet brew. Then I don't think they get to claim to be first. I think they got to claim to have been assholes. <laughs> uh, so if you're one of those 300 people, because I'm not one of them, they never sent me an invite. <laughs> you know, I top, I, I top 32 of the Twitch Rivals event. I'm a partner. Nobody ever sent me an invite. Yeah, what you're yeah. You're the guy who's made fires a deck in the first one. I mean, not that it wasn't a deck, but yeah, I, I fires out as it exists right now is certainly modeled after the deck you played there. And look, I if 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 you if if somebody ships me in if somebody ships me an invitation, then I will stream and I will play. Um, 
I will play everybody's favorite card uh, that isn't one of these 10, Luca Coppercoat Outcast. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. I may have tweeted the list that I would start with uh, and on Twitter. All right, well, we'll put, we'll, put that in, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So that to me is like the, the, the most fun thing I could think of while writing the set review. Fun enough that I decided to build the deck. Yeah. Uh, so I have multiple builds of that. I'd probably run the Biomaster's Familiar version because I would. Nice. And see what happens. All right. All right, Zvi. I've got to, uh, I got to get a couple things done here. Uh, yep. As you well know, and we will uh, we'll try to follow up and do a little bit more uh, discussion of Ikoria. But in the meantime, this has been our companion piece here on the on the new set. Uh, hope everyone's having fun, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Topic Magic with Brian Avery Marshall and Hall of Famer Zvi Moshowitz. <laughs>